All right, Frank, I know nothing about microservices or containers or Dockers or hubs or Kubernetes or mm. Kitas or <laughs> services or instances or function. I know about functions. I don't know anything about anything, Frank, but I'm really excited about Azure Container Apps. You know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> uh, I actually don't. Uh, I do know about Azure. I've heard of that. I know about containers. We, we've actually done a few episodes on containers, so I think I know about that. And in the past, I have actually indeed looked into running containers on the Azure, which I know because every time I create a website, it's like, hey, buddy, is your website a container? And I'm like, no, not this time. One of these times <laughs> it will be, but not this time, Azure. So uh, I'm, I'm a little bit lost here, but okay. At, at Kubernetes, I groaned at Kita, I think I realized, uh-oh, I'm out of touch. And I like to stay in touch, James. So bring me up to date. What no. is all this stuff? I also forgot about the Dapper and the Envoy and the other <laughs> things. Okay, so so here's what this is about. And I'm pretty excited about it because I have been working on the .NET Conf keynote that people should go watch tomorrow. .NET Conf, you're listening to this on the Monday. VS 2022 just launched today. Super exciting. Tomorrow, .NET Conf with .NET 6, it's out. We'll talk about it next week on the podcast. But at the keynote, the Mr. Fowler is going to be there, and he's going to talk about container mm -hmm. apps. Spoiler alert. Well, he's going to talk about a bunch of stuff, but there's a container apps demo. And I learned about container apps with my buddy Nish, um, uh, Nish and Neil, because he does like all the things microservices on our team. And he tried to explain it to me because I understand like Docker and here's a container and you put the things and then I kind of understand the Kubernetes for orchestration. And then, uh, then I am like, I get lost in the dapper and the other stuff, but <laughs> here's what they call it. They call it a serverless container service for running modern apps at scale. And here's what it's about. If you think about it, what is the problem with running a web backend? For example, let's say you just put something in app service, Frank, what's the problem with that? Uh, for me, it's usually deployment and getting like a dev version up. You get into multiple deployment slots and that kind of stuff. And then once I have that figured out, it's getting the DevOps hooked into all that. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably my API key uh, goes bad stale after a while. And then I forgot about it. And yeah, all sorts of things. I guess. <laughs> what, what was I supposed to say? <laughs> what is the problem being solved here? Well, you know, when you think of, hey, I'm going to take my web API, I'm going to shove in an app service. Well, I'm going to have a web server that's always on, right? I got paid for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always, and it's, it's in for a penny and for a pound because you go from the free service, which they tell you, do not use this. This is for dev only. Do not run production stuff on here to the next one up's like, 30-ish bucks and you're like hmm or even more sometimes and you're like i don't know do it do it. Is, is there no middle ground between here so yeah it's like for a service that literally just me and my mom use <laughs> um, i don't know if i want to pay that much per month correct and there's no way to scale to zero you can't turn it off if you turn it off it's off yeah well yeah <laughs> you can't like there's not an event that turns it back on so then the magical parts of Azure Functions, serverless computing would then come up, right? Because, you know, I'm a huge yeah. Azure Function fan. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, and we've solved a lot of problems with it. And honestly, every project I start, I start by thinking, can I just do this with a function instead? Because why, why else would you do it? Like, even... 
I don't know. We 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 gotta get those like blazer demos where you're doing WebAssembly. Like, man, put put the code in the WebAssembly. Put that put that up on like a static thing, and then mm-hmm. talk to the server through functions. That seems like a really sweet spot in uh, web development. But anyway, uh, yeah, functions are hot, <laughs> but this isn't functions. Functions are hot. Now the thing with functions, different programming model, right? You can't just like you know, it's not just a web API. You gotta get in. You know, there are new um, self-contained thingies and all this other stuff. And and I love functions, right? I run Island Tracker completely on functions and a bunch mm-hmm. of the infrastructure on my team on functions. And that is pay pay for consumption, which is super good because if you only have someone call your web API like five times a month because you're running your mom's, you know, business or whatever off of it, you're only going to pay 0.0000001 penny, which is pretty awesome, to be honest with you. Now. The problem, like I said, with that, and some these aren't really problems, right? This is like yeah. the um, flip side of the coin, if you will. Is right, because I, I want to reiterate, a static serving web server that's talking to cloud functions is a great architecture. I yes. know we'll talk about microservices, but my gosh, <laughs> I mean, like that that's what we always wanted back in the day because like dynamically generating every page, that's such a waste. Like every web page is pretty much identical to its other self. And so yeah, yeah static serve that stuff. <laughs> static serve that stuff. So, you know, with Azure functions and they're also event driven too, which I think is rad. The, the flip side of the coin is do you need super long running operations? Like, let's say you're doing some super long data processing and, you know, it, you, you do scale, but you need it to run for like an hour. Well, that's not really going to take advantage of the function because <laughs> functions to me are like event driven in yeah. event driven out quick in quick out type of processing type of stuff right let me ask you uh are there i i'm pretty sure it's a setting where you can just put a time limit on a function is that normal do you know what time limits people usually set on functions i'm sure that's mostly to protect yourself from runaway servers and things like that but i assume like you said i wouldn't want to train a neural network inside a function probably it would be really expensive. You probably aren't paying per minute at that point, but I'm curious if Azure puts any hard, hard limits on you. I don't know. There are a few different modes. Like there is an Azure function always on mode, which seems like defeats the purpose of an Azure function, but like (laughs) you've, you were committed to the Azure function mixture and then you did, you don't want to go back to app service or whatever. Um, Yeah. Because functions are built on top of it. Yeah. You prefer the UI. Yeah, the app service is literally you can put anything on app service. Yes. Uh, whereas functions are here, we're we're doing web API stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Functions. Yeah. And and I love the connectors into functions because it brings things in and out super easy. So the, and those have nothing to do with microservices. So then you might be Great. saying, like, okay, <laughs> hey, I have this API or I have this um this worker service that needs to run. Um, and maybe it's gonna run like for long periods of time and then stop, let's say it's doing some, uh, image processing and like that may take anywhere from, um, let's say you have a queue, right? You have a queue Mm -hmm. of images that are coming in and it needs to process them. And sometimes it's a huge load and sometimes it's no load. Right. So you put that in a microservice, right? You, you put that in a container, right? So you, you create a ASP.NET core worker service, that's listening to a queue, you right click, add Docker support, and you got a container. <laughs> now you got to put that container somewhere, Frank. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and th- sorry, I just want to interrupt. This is actually a really classic problem. Um, I used to help my friends with video processing websites mm-hmm. and the, the machines that had the video processing stuff, they were dealing with random data from the internet. So you never wanted to run all that stuff on your actual web server. So immediately now you have two computers. Now you have a queue. Now you have asynchronous programming. Now you have batch jobs. Now you have monitoring the other computer. Now you have an orchestrator. Like it's funny, like, the simple small task of I want to read in a video file and maybe store it away somewhere immediately kind of scales up your problem. So this isn't like some small hypothetical. I actually run into this more often than I would like. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's true. So then you 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 are like, okay, I'm going to go put this container somewhere and run it. And you need to put it somewhere. So you could, for example, put it in something, and I'm going to talk about all Azure services. I work at Microsoft. I'm not, and I know that AWS and Google, they have like some similar services, obviously. So I'm just going to talk about the stuff that, that we have, because those are the things I'm familiar with. So if you're an AWS or Google cloud listener, they're you know, similar services and, and things that are over there, right? So you may just want to run this thing. And that would be, I'm going to put it in a container instance, which is like, Give Azure a container and it'll just run it on a per usage pricing, but mm-hmm. that doesn't have scaling, load balance, versioning, rollouts. It's just like I want to run this thing, you know. And I don't know what the use case for that is, but it's like one off go, basically, uh, right? I, I actually have plenty of use cases, but I, I'm wondering: Are you talking? Um, how do you actually run that? Is that from an API? You could have your program actually kick off that process, or are we talking from like the portal? You go to the portal and kick off that process. Yeah, I think the um, I think you can do it. Like you could deploy to ACI from command line or from something else. You just give it a container registry, and I think it just runs it. Scary. Every time I've tried to do this, <laughs> well, the, the protections here are um, they make you go through Active Directory kind of authentication stuff mm. usually. And I think that's the safety line, but it'd be great. I, I would love like a C Sharp library where I can just import and say, go run this container and give me the results. That'd mm. be kind of magical. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. I, dreams. <laughs> yeah. And then beyond that, you might say, okay, I'm going to deploy this into like uh, a Kubernetes service like AKS, which is Azure Kubernetes service, right? And this gives you a Kubernetes, but then there's all the the clustering and the connections and all this other stuff on top of it, right? That's like full scale. You're probably running multiple containers. They're talking to each other. They're doing stuff. And um, well, that, that's other stuff. The way I understand it, and please correct me, dear listeners, if I'm wrong. Um, Kubernetes is what you do when you want a service with three nines of uptime where yes. you're just trying to keep a bunch of stuff up its job is to keep a bunch of stuff up and running and happy uh whereas what we're talking about are um well you were talking about a little batch jobs a second ago but mm-hmm. uh with all these microservices got, if you got microservices there's going to be a bunch of them you got to have something keep them up so that's usually kubernetes roles but uh we're not going to do the kubernetes on these no, because I mean, in this instance, right, you could think about it as like, maybe we have a queue, maybe we have an API, maybe we have a bunch of like a hub, we have a bunch of things, a bunch of microservices we want to deploy in our solution. And we could do that in AKS, the Kubernetes service, but we could use container apps, which is a managed service built on top of Kubernetes to make Kubernetes easy, basically. That, it's, a, <laughs> it's like a Kubernetes easy button with all of the other cool parts of app service and Azure functions that you may want. So for example, Uh, Frank, 
Okay, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you because I'm. Okay. <laughs> I I do love the containers, but I do my brain stops once the K word is mentioned. So I, I'm kind of excited to hear about something that just skips over it and builds a layer on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> so don't disappoint me right now, James. So, you gotta, so I got a lot of emotional value riding on this. <laughs> yes. So so imagine basically that you have a uh, a Docker container, right? You you've created your Q listener that we're talking about here, your API, and you you want to put in a container so you right click and you add uh, docker support and, and you build up a container and then you could then right click and then you could say hey i want to put this into a container app and based on what this container is doing you can give it some rules so what this does is behind the scenes container apps runs on aks so it runs on a kubernetes service but it brings in three important pieces of software um, open source integrations. And one is called Envoy, which is basically an ingress controller that enables HTTP endpoints. Oh, okay. So this is if you actually want a public facing server, because usually we're talking about services. So like a bunch of internal stuff, and then you carefully craft your actual front facing server and PHP running on Apache, <laughs> or something like that. But in this case, you say, okay, actually exposing uh, or is this HTTP for API calls or is this HTTP for like uh, HTML, like the web? I think more for like API calls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So just enabling that bit. Just enabling that bit. And then you have this thing called KEDA, K-E-D-A, which is the Kubernetes event-driven autoscaling. Now, this is cool because uh -oh. what it does, KEDA, is it enables dynamic autoscaling for the containers and the service based on scaling rules that you apply. So for example, we have our queue worker and you could say, you know, start at zero is my minimum. And I want it to go up to 10 instances and scale this up. And based on the traffic in the queue or the traffic in the API, it's going to scale it up automatically and then scale it back down. Yeah, fam. <laughs> <laughs> Always wanted this. This is the uh, slash dot effect, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm scared. I'm glad you can set a maximum. I've always been afraid of auto. It's funny because like as a lazy person, all I want in the world is auto scale. But as a cheap person, I'm ter terrified of auto scale. <laughs> so I'm always worried it's going to create like a thousand machines if someone decides to run uh, some wget script against my server or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so not not to make me sound dumb but i'm glad there's a maximum in there <laughs> there is a there is a maximum so yes and 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 you can say hey you can have one as your minimum if you do want an always on but if you're mm -hmm. like hey this is a background process that i don't care if i got if it takes a little bit of time to spin up you know keep it at at a, at zero so that like your queue worker might be at zero but your api may always be on cuz you always want your api on but you may want it to scale up to 10,000 container yeah. images, whatever shenanigans, right? Yeah, I because I'm wondering myself right now. I, I'm sorry, I'm always going back to the video re-encoding example. So mm -hmm. would I have, um, once a machine is up, would it be able to handle multiple jobs? You know, would it sit there until the job queue is empty? And then would it turn itself off? But I guess that's what you're saying that Kita part is with all those events. I'm sure it's those events deciding who who's doing what and what's being orchestrated because 
yeah, uh, definitely. I want to scale up to 10 concurrent video encodes, but stop there <laughs> and then, you know, keep it at 10 until things are done and then back off back to zero in the end. That all makes perfect sense to me if it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that you're able to put in these scale rules, which would be like, you know, hey, if I get more than 20 things in a queue, then scale up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's fun. So that's the Kita technology, would you say? That that one's new to me. I have to admit, I'm totally oblivious here. But, Kida. Um, Kida. Kida. Will you spell it for me? K-E-D-A, which is an acronym for the uh, Kubernetes event-driven autoscaling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great name, everyone. Good job. <laughs> I should have guessed from the K. Yeah. So uh that's cool um it's tricky though like scaling usually gets into especially in the microservice world like are you scaling up multiple services at a time but it sounds like in this case the app is saying that it can state its own scaling rules or would you combine this app into multiple apps like a, a, a container app oh i'm so excited that you asked this question because there's one more important piece here that enables just that frank Mm. because what you would do is you would put your services into a container app and you would take these container apps and put them all into a container app environment. Oh so, boy. <laughs> so there's all of your container apps are all bundled into this environment um, that are in there and everything in the environment can use Dapper, which enables Uh-oh. support for... Um, basically service discovery, state management, and asynchronous message passaging, passing between all of your container apps inside of a container app environment. Oh, boy. Okay. So let me read from a website here because I've, I've heard people say Dapper before, but I'm not sure Dapper. I've ever had a good definition. Dapper is an open source, event-driven runtime that codifies best practices for building portable microservice applications. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, I'm old school. I like to throw together these architectures myself. <laughs> but they say here, you got service-to-service calls, pub-sub, cool, event bindings, great, state stores, going to abuse the heck out of that, and actors, because why not? Everyone has actors these days. That's interesting. It's um so Dapper is basically the new Memcache. Dapper is the new Redis. Uh, we keep coming up with these technologies to get a bunch of computers to talk to each other and to make sense of the world. So good. I'm gonna go with that definition for Dapper right now. <laughs> it's yes. just making all these things actually be able to talk to each other. Yeah, pretty much. And the cool part about all of this is how it's put together is just like a JSON file. I think I think they I think there's multiple ways to do it. But I think you can use something called a bicep file or just a, a Azure it's not container. YAML. James, I only talk YAML. These I think days. they have a YAML one. I think I'm they have kidding. multiple ways of doing it, Frank. I'm pretty sure. It's terrible. Don't do no. it. <laughs> but but what's cool here is that you can have like configurations. So you can say in in your configuration of your environment, you can say, hey my service bus connection or my queue connection or my whatever my mysql or my mysql or my azure sql database connections here and it will it'll figure out how to pipe those down into your services automatically from this configuration um, if that makes sense 
it does it does um it's funny um uh, a lot of stuff happens through the azure command line these mm-hmm. days too mm-hmm. so i think that um the easiest way because the moment you said configuration files i got a little bit sad you know mm-hmm. I, I like everything to be just to be in c, c sharp or f sharp we should be do it all there but uh now that i actually look through the documentation there is a lot of uh pretty simple i would say azure command line stuff so there's like the az tool you say az container app environment create give it a name tell it who's going to pay for it mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's going to go and then you have yourself an environment and then i guess the rest after that is this uh magical configuration file that's gonna do the rest there but i do notice uh in the documentation they are good enough to do things in yaml so yeah. good job yeah. <laughs> web people Boom. Yeah. So you can kind of see like, Hey, like use these ports, like here's like arguments, here's all this, here's, it's like, here's the container, here's the X, Y, Z. And what's cool is that you can actually like set this up in GitHub actions and it will automatically connect to container registries and automatically connect to the container apps automatically for you. So every time you push code, it'll redeploy an entire new, like all of your images and all of your container apps automatically. And I'm going to say that's a necessary step because, oh boy, there there are a lot of settings <laughs> to put in here. Min replicas, max replicas, you got to expose all your ports, all that kind of stuff. That is definitely not something you want to do from the command line. That is definitely something you're going to want to put into a, a workflow file of any mm-hmm. sort. Yeah. I know I would forget this stuff pretty much immediately. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's like this really, really, really cool thing, which means because, you know, all it brings all of these things together. You don't actually have to really think about it too much, to be honest with you. It's it's just you have your containers that are are using these services or exposing these services, and you just configure it. And like to use Dapper, you say use Dapper, and then it just figures it out automatically. Yeah, because devil's always in the configuration, right? Trying <laughs> to actually talk to each other. So it sounds like this is just. A bunch of technologies kind of bundled together as in we're, we're finding a sweet spot for how to mm-hmm. do this kind of stuff and we're going to recommend that you use dapper for your communications we're going to recommend that you use Kita, <laughs> Kita. for your <laughs> for your scaling events and what was the first technology i feel like i skipped over one uh the first oh, technology <laughs> was the envoy oh the envoy right so that's just managing who can talk to whom i suppose because yeah. you mm-hmm. you call that ingress Correct. That's so, an ingress. Yeah. Yeah. That's where things always get weird for me is getting all those permissions. Right. But mm, okay, sure. I'll, I'll just ignore that one for now. <laughs> yeah. Like here's a good um, example. I'll, I'll put this in the, I'll put a link to the documentation, but under the tutorials, I have this like microservices with Dapper using arm, which is like this configuration JSON file. And you'll see under um, like resources, you'll see um, a template eventually. If you search for template and you'll see containers and it's like, here's the container, here's the CPU and memory I want, here's the scale I want, and then here's dapper settings, which might tell you the storage key and account key and where the things live. And that's gonna enable the apps to all kind of communicate together, which is kind of cool. Yeah, because dapper obviously is gonna need some kind of storage system. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have to yeah get those two communicating. Mm-hmm. This is sounding doable. I'm about to start my YouTube competitor. So I should be able to auto scale. I should yeah. be paying very little because it's all going to be functions with 
static storage with blob storage, blob apps. I'm going to call them blob apps. And then I'm going to have container apps for all my FFmpeg work. This is, this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all going to, cause I, I think the thing is what's nice about this is that it sort of obfuscates a lot of the complexities of trying to set all that up yourself. And then also, um, you know, if you already are using containers and deploying those, you could bring them over to container apps and get the advantages. Like maybe you're deploying and using containers and microservices, but you're not getting the auto scale, right? For example, yeah. where this could give you that or long running background jobs, maybe always on background jobs of some of them, right? And you can deploy multiple of these container apps and some of them spin up, some of them spin down back and forth. So I feel like it's the first time that I've started to understand a little <laughs> bit of microservices. Like I get it. I mean, I'm probably still going to use functions for a lot of my stuff, <laughs> but at the same time, um, when you see the demos from .NET Conf tomorrow, if you're still listening to this and you, it's past or it's before the ninth, which is when .NET mm -hmm. Conf is, there's a bunch of, of these container apps in an environment. I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Like this architecture makes sense to me. Like in general, like when you see the projects, there's like three projects and they're all kind of doing different things where my traditional mind is all about like, I'm just going to shove everything in one like project, like a web yeah. API, a service worker, all these things. There's a video that Nish did, which I'll put on, which is called build your first microservices with.net. And I'll link this so you can watch it later. It's a beautiful YouTube video. He spent a long uh, time on it. It's really amazing. All these animations and it, he breaks down like containers versus virtual machines, like orchestration, Kubernetes, like building endpoints and like why use containers, why use microservices. And I was like, I'm starting to understand this, right? I'm a client developer <laughs> that's never written backend services, but I kind of am starting to understand this mentality, which is like, if I build an app that displays a number on the screen connected to a Bluetooth sensor, I bundle that up into a app container but my app containers get deployed to the iOS and Android app stores. But like now, <laughs> if I have backend services, I could break them up into smaller mini apps and then deploy them into container apps. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I wish we could just deploy container apps to iOS, though. I, I cool. wish that worked. Oh, my gosh, it would solve so many problems. Yeah. Um, and I was going to make fun of you a little. I'm like, haha, you understand it now. But give these web people one year and they're going to change everything. But we can understand it for one year at a time until things progress. I should have learned Dapper years ago, though. Um, this is a pretty nerdy one, so I'll, I'll have to add a second nerdy topic here. I see communicating with the APIs, you use HTTP, which obviously you should use HTTP. But there's gRPC, which I love serialization of data. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> and I feel like we could do a whole episode on gRPC and how much I love protocol buffers and everyone should be, in fact, using gRPC. So a uh, potential show topic there. Everyone write in and say how much you want to hear me talk about serialization protocols. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy that you're understanding. Um, yeah. For me, I again, I I loved containers. Containers are great for me. It's once you get to containers that everything just falls apart, and I get start to get confused. And so, for anything that simplifies that, I'm excited. But I'm really looking forward to actual demos of this mm -hmm. because I can, in my head, think of all these weird ways to compete with YouTube. But I need to see a professional <laughs> tell me the right way to use this. <laughs>
Yeah, and, and I probably need to dig up some videos from Ignite because that's when this this thing was announced as well. So, you know, I definitely need to go like take a look out there. I'm sure there's some videos from Ignite on container apps and I need to go look at it because the the thing about it that I think is also really neat is that let's imagine you're like, oh, I just have a web API, right? And like, that's all I want to do. Like, I'm never going to use container apps for that. But maybe you will because one thing that's really neat is that you can actually, every time you bundle your container up, it's a revision of your container. And there's revision management where you can control the the traffic. So you could roll back by just mm-hmm. literally saying, this one's active, this one's not active. And you, or you could say, this one has 100% traffic and this has zero, or this one has 50-50. And you could like roll out updates via traffic being splitted automatically to your different containers. So like, there's also this weird revision part of it too that I didn't, we didn't really talk about, but there's a whole bunch of neatness basically is what I'm saying in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I believe I called these deployment slots earlier. That, that's yeah. like the that's the 1990s version of this where we would all register 50 different domains and then just put things up under different domains. Yeah. So it's good that we've progressed a little bit there. We probably have checkboxes and dropdowns and things yeah. like that. But of course you need revision management. What's neat is that kind of distrib- um, A-B testing, that you know that kind of terrible stuff that you could do with it. But realistically, this is all getting back to our ios and android deployments of mm-hmm. we only want 10 people 10 percent of people to see it mm-hmm. it's not the world i live in but i totally get it if you're if you're microsoft.com you don't want to deploy to the entire world all at once maybe maybe yeah yeah it's the rollbacks have you ever had to roll back a website change i did i had a bad one oh, i almost deleted a bunch of data in a ah. database thank goodness we had a backup <laughs> The worst is if you um, if you need to roll back your app after you submit it to the app store and it's approved and it's already rolled out. That's hard. Oh, <laughs> you can't yeah. roll back. You can't roll back. I've wanted that ability three times. <laughs> Two times, three times. Yeah, three times. Yeah. That's yeah, when you write to app review and say, uh, hey, could I have that priority review, please, right now? Yeah, please. I need go, go, go. And then your app just slowly tanks for a few days. Um, anyways, um, that is now again. I am not a microservice or container apps expert out there. I'm not even a web developer. I pretend to be, though. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So what I would say is if anyone has any additional things that you're super like, we missed this, let us know right into the show, mergeconflict.fm. I'm super excited. I like I'm starting to like the microservices information more like I'm finding the needs. Like, I think now that I've done the entire Animal Crossing backend and functions because I wanted yeah. serverless, I'm like, man, I could probably put that in a in a container app. And that actually would have been a lot better because I had to do a whole bunch of hoops to, to kind of do the Azure function thing and whatnot. And the nice thing about the containers, right, is like the entire environment is there. You're not relying on, you know, yeah. you know Azure functions or something, AWS, like whatever theirs is to support the runtime long-term, right? If you're like, you know what, this is, this is a containers running .NET framework 3.2, right? And then that's what I'm running my app on. You just <laughs> put it in the thing, right? And it goes. Yeah, I, I had that because I was running a .NET 6, that, um, the game I keep talking about. And it, 
<laughs> I got lucky. Azure said, we do support .NET 6, but I was like, ooh, I probably should have just put this in a container so I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, the 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 web host actually dealing with it. You know, you can write your app to be self-contained, put that inside a container so it has its environment all self-contained, and then plop it up on a server. That is kind of the ideal world. And anything that makes putting multiples of those together, I'm here for. Yeah. I still don't get the key to scalers. I I keep looking at it because all it does is bring up a million other words you got to learn. Apache Kafka, Azure Monitor, ActiveMQ Artemis, Azure Blob Storage. Wait, I know that one. That one's easy. Okay. <laughs> no, but no, a no. lot of these you, you, I don't get. <laughs> you're overthinking it, right? Kita integrates with all those services. So you can say, hey, scale down to zero, scale up. It, 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 it takes you having to know all those things to basically setting two lines in your JSON file. Right. So you just got to figure out those two lines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, they do support uh, They do support the RabbitMQ and yeah. Redis. So Redis, you, you are alive and well, even into this modern age. Good job, yeah. Redis. Yeah. I call it Redis. Yeah, I don't know. I think I bounce between pronunciations all the time. Today, it just came out this way. Yeah. Hmm. 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 I don't know. Kita scalers can both detect if a deployment should be activated or deactivated. Yeah, it's the deactivated part I'm most interested in. Correct. <laughs> Unscale. Unscale. Descale. Kita. Descale. Descaler. Get out of here. Yeah. So. Well, show title. Descaling the web. Descaling the web. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's containerized mini podcast. 30 minutes feels about right. We'll be back next week with the whole Donet Conf breakdown super excited about that tune in if, if you haven't or you need to go back and watch it go do that it's gonna be awesome but franks thanks thanks for letting me talk about nothing that i know anything about i appreciate that hey one of these days i'm gonna learn how to do deployments correctly and you're just getting me closer and closer to that point so i appreciate it james thank you yeah i appreciate it I'm going to, we're, we're going to be, I'm just going to have Nishan and Jeff Holland on. We'll just have a bunch of people yeah. on the podcast. If you all want us to have people on the podcast and are sick of me and Frank, let us know right in at mergeconflict.fm.fm. Tweet at us, discord us, do all the things. But that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.